We're living in unusually stressful times. How have you been coping? The isolation of the pandemic has caused many to deal with their anxieties in unhealthy ways. Unfortunately, for many, this triggers problems with alcohol. Have you noticed increased drinking to cope with the anxiety or loneliness? Or has someone near you expressed concerns about your drinking? If so, it might be time to call in Synergy for your confidential and convenient alcohol and substance abuse evaluation. Call to schedule today at 314-649-STOP. That's 314-649-STOP. Or book online at www.insynergystl.com. Good morning. This is the Medical Beat 97.1 FM Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Harvey, and today we've got a great topic. Uh, We're going to talk about opening up the schools in the age of COVID. Uh, Timely topic. Uh, Everybody's worried, what do we do? What about the kids? What about the teachers? What about the schools? What about the parents' jobs? What about everything? Uh, Going back to school in some ways might be a bad idea. Not going back to school also sounds bad. Uh, Some hybrid in between also sounds bad. So what do we do? We have a guest who's going to tell us what we should do, (laughs) or at least explain this conundrum to us. Uh, We have here with us uh, a very special guest, uh, Dr. Brian Perlman. Say hi, Dr. Perlman. Hi, Dr. Perlman. Great to be here, Dr. Harvey. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Perlman. So so Brian's been on the show before. Uh, as a lot of you might know, he is uh, a leading authority in both mental health and in education. Uh, Brian is a former school teacher, also a former elementary school, te- uh, elementary school principal, uh, also a uh, consultant and keynote speaker for uh, school districts across the nation. He's written a couple of very good books about mental health and education. And as if that's not enough, as if he needs something else to keep him busy, he's also now a licensed therapist. So he's done pretty much uh, pretty much everything. So uh, you got any more careers lined up, Brian, or, or is that it? A- I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping between the two of us we can find a 25th hour in the day or an eighth day of the week, and then I'm looking for the next adventure. That- that sounds good. Yeah. Yep. That sounds good. So, but uh, anyway, so so we have a whole bunch of stuff to talk about here. So let's let's start by talking about what the schools are thinking and what they're planning to do uh, when we have uh, this pandemic going on and all the uh, uncertainty that surrounds that. And the day is approaching when schools are scheduled to open. Uh, to start out with, can you tell us what are the schools? currently planning and what are they currently thinking at this time what's the what's the current status of that so are you asking me the current status today two hours from now (laughs) tomorrow next week Uh, which one shall i answer oh boy let's uh it sounds like the answer to all of those will be different so 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 how about how about as of right now as far as you know yeah. Sure. And, and uh, Dr. Harvey, it's great to be here. Yeah. And um, I do uh, work with schools and districts, organizations all over the country. And I feel like, not I feel like, I know that there's many different plans for different states, different local areas, and depending on where they are, it seems like the schools all have a multi-step plan based on, well, based on the virus, based on the situation within their local area. 
And certainly there's sort of the business as usual, as much as as usual it can be, sort of that in school all the time or most of the time option, Mm -hmm. sort of a hybrid that in the middle, and then also the all virtual. And schools and districts have been adjusting. You know, they've had plans. They've been thinking and working on this, I mean, since March. And variables change, so they're trying to um, adapt based on that. And some are pushing the school year uh, back. Actually, my my twins are starting graduate school, and a few months ago they announced that they were going to start early, which here in St. Louis, doesn't necessarily appear to be the right thing to do now. They couldn't have timed it worse because, you know, things aren't particularly good uh, here in our community. But it seems like that those are three options. They look at the levels and adjust. Within the school, obviously, there are going to be changes, things like requiring masks, you know, a lot more hand sanitizer, temperature checks, uh, quarantining, you know, students or staff. Uh, that that are you know show to be having symptoms of or that they're tested and they and they have COVID. Uh, even things about spacing students out, maybe having them stay together in a cohort oh. where they kind of stay with the same group all day rather than leaving for for different things. And uh, right. there's just a lot of things that they're doing right now, Dr. Harvey. And as you touched on earlier, there's no good answer. There's no good solution there's no one size fits all yeah 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 because i i really get the impression that every possible choice is bad <laughs> or every possible choice feels bad it's like ah yeah yeah but so, so i guess a lot of schools and i that makes sense so you're saying that most school districts have some sort of plan set up where there's different levels like if things are if things get really bad they can do all virtual if it's medium they can do a hybrid and if it's things are much better they can do all in person i guess that's that's the gist of most of their plans that's correct and you know in some districts they've asked families like now to decide if i want to just do virtual to commit to that for a period of time or in person if it's um, available some uh, local districts uh, have announced you know, that they're going to have it be virtual until October or which is roughly a quarter or until, you know, winter time, which is a semester. And again, with these pieces moving um, and, and just the news changing and data coming up, it makes it uh, really kind of hard. And the thing that as a former principal um, and in communication with all these folks, what really has me concerned is that you know, we're going to be getting right into uh, the flu season. And I'm not sure right now when we see symptoms, I feel like everybody thinks they have, you know, the coronavirus or COVID when they might just have seasonal allergies or when they might just have a cold or, or something else going on that I think that that's a big concern that all of us have to be. Not that the flu is a good thing. The flu, I mean, certainly a a lot of people die every year uh, from the flu, but, Certainly, as far as things being really contagious, the number of people infected, the number of people uh, dying from this, you know, makes it really hard to differentiate between the two. And that is a consideration. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, everybody feels a little sick occasionally. So, you know, what are you going to do in the school day if, you know, a fourth of the kids come forward and say, oh, my, I have a tickle in my throat. I feel tired. You know, yeah. That, that's going to be it, hard. It does make it very hard, Dr. Harvey. You're exactly right. Not sure what the plan is in that way. And and really, you know, as we know, 
the, the taking the temperature, you know, obviously you will catch a segment of people that are sick that are fighting something. Yeah. But we know that there's so many people that are asymptomatic. And, you know, you're, you're obviously letting a portion of people in that are showing nothing, that don't have a fever yet, right. but might still be contagious. So this is a challenge. And, you know, whatever decisions made, half the people are going to be unhappy. And if you made the opposite, the other half would be unhappy. It's a kind of a, a lose-lose situation, I guess. I think so. And I, and I suspect if you do one thing, it might be 70% unhappy. And if you do the other thing, 70% will still be unhappy. <laughs> it's more like that, probably. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's exactly right. I, I think so. Uh, but hey, uh, it's, it's time for us to go out on break. Uh, we're going to talk more in just a moment. We're talking with Dr. Brian Perlman about school in the age of COVID. And we'll be right back. All right, we're going to stop there. That was just a teeny bit more than eight minutes. Hey, it's good so far. And, I, and I'm thank you, and and I appreciate it. And I'm watching your text come through, so I'll try and be as I see it getting down to two or one. I'll start being very concise. Perfect. Yeah, I think this one went really well. This one turned out good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I think I think when we start up again, we'll kind of recap what you've already talked about. I, th I think one thing I want to ask is, you know, I'll probably ask, you know, like what if a school plans to be um, like, like you know, what if a school plans to be uh, all in person, but, you know, the kid's mom or dad is immunocompromised, you know, does the kid have the option to be all virtual instead or, you know, how flexible are they for individual kids? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that might be a yeah. good and then I'll kind of more generally ask, you know, how are the how are the parents doing? How are the teachers doing? How are the kids doing? Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And this one's going to be a little longer. This one's supposed to be ten minutes. We'll make it a teeny bit less than ten because we ran a tiny bit over last time. Okay. 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 So I'll go one, two, three, and then we'll start. Sounds great. All right. One. Two, three. All right, we're back. You're listening to The Medical Beat, 97.1 FM Talk. Uh, I'm your host, Dr. Steve Harvey, and we're talking to Dr. Brian Perlman, uh, expert in mental health and also in education. And we're talking about going back to school in the age of COVID. Uh, before uh, before the break, we talked about how schools generally are working on a plan with multiple levels where they can change the way they do things depending on how the pandemic is doing. And uh, in some ways, that's kind of a limited system, but it's not like I have a better idea, you know. Uh, so I think to, to start out with one, one thing that came up uh, when we were talking during the break that I wanted to ask on the air is... How about how about this situation? How about so we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, the pandemic is somewhat better. You know, if if it becomes somewhat better, the schools want to go back in person. But how about if there's a few kids in the school who, you know, mom or dad has cancer or mom or dad is immunocompromised or mom or dad has really bad asthma or the kid has really bad asthma. You know, if a kid has a situation that's more specifically dangerous uh, than, than the other kids. Uh, are the schools prepared to make accommodations for them? 
How's that going to work? It sounds like that is already, you know, kind of part of the plan that I think short of having a vaccination or a very strong therapeutic where we feel like, you know, we're covered or, you know, it, it's pretty much gone from from the face of the earth, which it's going to be a while, I, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, there's always going to be the option as parents are concerned or there's special circumstances that students will be able uh, to still do the remote or, or distance or virtual option. In many cases, they've already allowed families to choose that as an option. In some cases, having them commit to a semester uh, of doing that, mm-hmm. I would imagine until you know the, the risk is so low universally, they will continue to have that option available because certainly uh, we don't want you know people, the, the student, their families, uh, the staff, anybody uh, to be in a situation where, you know, this could be a pretty significant health risk or even a fatal type of situation for themselves yeah. or their family. So I, I do kind of feel like that's baked in to the plan a little bit already. And, oh. and I know that anytime there's a circumstance with health, there are options available for students that, that are not able to come to school, whether it's situationally or because of a pandemic, which we just don't have much experience because it's been a uh, hundred years since the last significant one. Right, right, yeah, yeah. The, the, la- the last one this big. There's the polio one too, but yeah, the, the last, the nineteen eighty was the other other huge one. Yeah, and how how about teachers? Like, if there's teachers who, um, you know, if the school district is going to try to do everything in person, but there's a specific teacher who's immunocompromised or a teacher who is, you know, 75 years old and they want to keep working. Uh, what about, uh, what about them? If, if they don't, if they don't want to come into work, are they going to lose their jobs or what's up with that? And that very well might be a school district level uh, discussion or a state discussion based on, you know, their circumstances. I know in some districts that I've consulted with or spoken with, they've had options available for people that have, like I can think of someone in particular that both has uh, significant asthma and also diabetes, that this would obviously be a real challenge for them to work. And knowing that the districts, you know, especially the larger ones, are going to need teachers that specifically are teaching the virtual piece. And, you know, if there was an in-person option in those who could teach the in-person. So it seems right now... Hmm. At least, again, during this school year, you know, nationally, internationally, we're all dealing with the same thing, that there are accommodations being made to ensure that, you know, that that nobody, again, whether it's the students we were talking about, their families or the staff, you know, are putting themselves at any any more risk than what would be necessary. And I know that 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 is something uh, that has been discussed in a lot of districts and uh, sometimes just case by case. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and when the schools are, have have different levels or different ways of doing things, how how are they going to decide which level they're on? Do they have very specific numbers that they're following or is it going to be more of a decision as they go along sort of thing? How 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 are they deciding what level to be on? Yeah, I I believe that most of them follow a similar form a formula maybe here in st louis they really pay attention to what st louis county and the local group working on uh covid what their recommendations are what the data looks like and there are certain benchmarks or certain 
numbers and characteristics that define what level uh, they're on. You know, obviously, there's always statewide guidance. There's all, all, you know, also national guidance. But it seems to me it's a very large country and there's very large states. The needs of, let's say, you know, Creve Corps, Missouri might look different than, you know, some small town with yeah. a population of 12 that have had no cases since. So right, I right. think the local organizations and the school boards work together. And uh, and obviously, are, the ultimate goal is this. They certainly just want to ensure that kids and staff are safe while balancing that we know that in a perfect world, we, you know, parents need to work and trying to really balance that and figure out what's what's best for everyone using the guidance, using some levels, using data, and trying to adjust, and also trying to predict on trends that are happening, because it's not like if Tuesday the case count goes really low that we're going to be able to start moving everyone back to school by Wednesday. I mean, obviously, it's yeah. it's kind of hard to, to turn the ship uh, very quickly. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And I guess we don't know how this is going to go. There's There are some people who are concerned that that it might be that having kids go back to school just in general might increase the the totality of the pandemic. They bring it home to mom and dad, and the whole thing the whole thing gets worse. We don't know if it's going to turn out that way, but it's that's that's what people are people are worried about. How, how about um, how about how are the how are the teachers doing through all this? Are the teachers stressed out? Or I, I mean, the the school year hasn't even started, but I'll, I'll bet they feel like they're already pretty worn out from all this. You know, and it seems that way because, you know, we never had closure for the last uh, school year. Mm-hmm. And major kudos to the staff, the teachers, the board, administration, who literally turned on a dime, you mm-hmm. know, within days or weeks and, and, and doing something that we've really never done before, you know, and making those those things, you know, notoriously you think of teachers as these kind of superheroes and rock stars and gladiators and warriors and all these things, but they are human too. Yeah. And they are spouses and they are parents. And so, so I feel like you have that, that same thing where each of them are saying, I want to be safe. I don't want to you know, get really sick. I don't want to die. I don't want to bring this home to my family, but every one of them struggle with the other side, but I'm in the kids business right. and I want to be there for the kids. And, and it is a really hard struggle because there's not a teacher out there that does not want to be back with their kids doing what their, their calling is, doing what they're best at to help kids to grow, learn, and achieve great things. But really with this pressure of, yes, but I also, if I'm in a hospital bed or you know I get sick for a long time, I'm not going to be of any benefit to them anyway. So right. they are stressed. There is a lot of anxiety, a lot of which is teachers are notorious for being great planners. This really hard to plan for a moving target. So there's a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. I know we've been doing uh, several over the summer webinars and discussions to help, you know, teachers just to process through this and to even have kind of some really good discussions and share what others are doing. So, yeah, lots going on there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and the. And, and we're, we're running short on time, but uh, how about the kids? Any, any feel for how the kids are doing through this in general? You know, I, I think a lot of kids want to go back and see their friends and see their teachers and have some closure, too. They're yeah. in the same boat. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, some, sometimes we, uh, we make jokes about kids, you know, being online too much. But I think, 
I think now they want to be online less. I think they really want to see their friends and they and they can't, at least not much or not not nearly as much as they could before. So it's a sad situation all around. But anyway, um, we're we're getting close to time for break. So uh, we're going to we're going to head out for just a little bit. We'll be back. We'll be back right after these messages. We're going to talk more about uh, we're going to talk more with Dr. Brian Perlman about uh, uh, school in the age of COVID. We'll be right back. All right. Perfect timing. That worked great. Yeah. Okay. That was good. All right. So let me look at my notes here. So for segment three. Yeah, I think we had even more to talk about than I thought. So I got to just pick the best parts out of all these questions here. And whatever you want to do, I'm ready, man. Cool. I'm open for whatever. <laughs> cool. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think for the third segment, I'll say, hey, you know, you used to be a principal. What would you do if you were in charge? Would you be doing anything different than what they're doing mm-hmm. now? I think that mm-hmm. would be a good question. And... Yeah, then we'll talk about uh, talk about the mental health needs of kids. We'll kind of mention Maslow before Bloom if we can. Oh yeah, yeah, and then I think I'll ask you, um, like, if you have thoughts about distance learning. You know, like, okay. uh, like, do you think kids really learn that way or not, or what? I yep, think, I think those will be good. I think those those three questions might be enough. So let me let me look at the info I got from Chad. So we have ten minutes for this segment. Let me set this clock thingy. Okay. Okay. So I'll kind of reintroduce and then and then I'll uh, kind of talk about what we talked about and then I'll ask you if you would do anything different. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Three, two, one. All right, we're back. Uh, this is the Medical Beat, 97.1 FM Talk. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Harvey. Uh, the topic today has been uh, the education in the age of COVID. As we approach the beginning of the school year, what the heck are we going to do? And we're talking with an expert, uh, Dr. Brian Perlman, who is a, a veteran educator and also a mental health expert. And what we've talked about so far are some of the plans that the schools have, sort of a multi-level system where they can adjust depending on how uh, the pandemic is doing and hopefully to make accommodations for uh, for kids and teachers that have special needs. Lots, lots of other stuff, too. So there's a lot that, uh, that goes into that. And, and, uh, and Brian Perlman's sort of right in the middle of it uh, with, with his current work. So I, I think the thing I want to ask now is let's, let's do this one. So, so Brian, let me ask this. Uh, in the past, you used to be uh, a, an elementary school teacher, right? An elementary school principal, right? Yes. Yeah. Both principal. of those. Yes. Yeah, you were a principal. So, so I'm sure you can kind of imagine yourself being a principal uh, being a principal now, can, can you uh, can you tell us if you were a principal or if you were like a district superintendent or something like that, would would you be doing anything different than what the districts are doing now? Do you do you think they're doing everything pretty much right, or or do you think they should do things different? 
You know, it's a really, uh, really tough question. Um, you know, often we rely on our experience and we kind of utilize that, you know, past experience for future decisions. And not a lot of us uh, would have taken the thought of a pandemic as something that we should be prepared for in, you know, principal school or superintendent school and that. Right. Uh, you know, I, I think that to, to sidestep the question, then I'll answer it. I think uh, in the future, uh, if anything, God forbid, like this were to happen again, we would certainly be in a better situation because it's more recent. We have some good data. We know uh, what we did that was good, what we did that maybe was not as good or, you know, could be improved upon. But, um, you know, I don't know that I would do uh, anything different. I feel like the the key, some districts, most of the districts have been really good at communicating, really good with messaging, really good with keeping people in the know. That is an area that certainly I would have made a priority. And for those districts that, you know, maybe in the country that haven't been as effective, I would do that different because it's this decision, no good. This decision, no good. But uh, being in limbo or uncertainty is, is way worse because people oh. don't even know how to prepare for their job or for, you know, child care if they need it. So the only major change I would make universally for those that maybe weren't quite as strong at doing it is just making sure that we're communicating, we're messaging and uh, we're keeping people uh, in the know as best as we can. And I feel like if that's done, you can keep the general anxiety of everybody and stress down just a little bit, because certainly we don't need any other reason to have folks stressed out or anxious, you know, especially during a pandemic. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so just, so clear, clear communication is going to be, it's going to be one key. It sounds like. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah. 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 And I don't know. I mean, among other things, I don't know if the, if the, if the politic, if the, the fact that this is wrapped up in politics the politicization of the of the pandemic might be part of what's driving people's anxiety, getting mixed messages like, oh, the pandemic is overblown. No, it's not overblown. It's this, it's that. I don't know if that's making it harder to make decisions also. I think it is. And I think, you know, there, I worked really hard as a, as a school uh, teacher and, and principal and now as a therapist and as a speaker across the country to avoid two topics. I try really hard to stay away from politics and to stay away from religion. But based on that, you know, even taking that a step further, even traveling the country, I was in one state in particular, literally a week before pretty much every school shut down. And there was a person within the community, a leader, very involved in there, who was saying that, you know, that there, this was the flu. It's just the flu and we shouldn't be doing this and doing that. And look, I'm just looking at the science. I'm looking at, you know, we've talked before, and I know at the end of the segment, we'll talk about some of the things that we read and, you know, is it far-fetched? Is there some merit to it? But, you know, to me at that point, just watching the number of people, you know, that that were getting sick, that were dying, um, you know, that, that it made me question that. And that was a person of authority who was making decisions for people. And, yes, maybe in February, January, we didn't know what we were doing, and nobody knew, and we're doing yeah. the best that we could. Yeah. But at that point, it felt like there was enough information out there that that was a pretty irresponsible uh, thing. And they had a decision on, you know, in theory, keeping kids uh, longer and, and not taking steps. Even, you know, I'm not even going to use the, the person. I'm not even going to use hand sanitizer. I'm not going to keep distance. And, you know, me as someone coming into the community, 
just speaking to them and training on things like trauma and mental health and self-care, you know, it, it really wasn't wasn't my place, but certainly did forward a good literature to others in powers that be there of other data that maybe this is something you want to take a look at. Right. Because yeah. even though it's not in your town today, it's probably going to be here tomorrow. So it, it's, yes. I don't think that that, that, that piece, the, the politics piece, has helped this situation. Again, I never made my decision on anything political or religious. It was always just based on the yeah. facts or the data or the science and based on what I knew was best for my kids, you know, the students and the staff and the community. And I feel like if you make decisions that way, you're going to be on the right side of things. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think hopefully, and I, and hopefully that's the mentality of most of the school districts. I mean, when you, when you talk to school districts, do you, do you feel like some of the school districts um, have tinfoil hats with that kind of thing or, or are they being pretty level headed and, and reasonable? I think most of them are, are doing the, the reasonable part because, again, you have people of, of every belief and whatever within that community, and you have guidance from, you know, local, county, or state uh, who, are, who are, in most cases, you know, looking at the same kind of data, trying to do what's best for, for everybody. Yeah. Some are, are faster to, uh, you know, turn and put things in place and others we're a little slower. You know, Dr. Harvey, I kind of think of it like this, like pending ice storm coming. You're going to have the district that errs on the side of caution. Hey, if there's a 30 percent chance of ice, we're keeping the staff and kids home. We don't want to get hurt. Right. Then you got the middle of the pack. Then you got the side that says, but if I call this wrong and a thousand people don't go to work or need to get child care and it ends up being 45 degrees and sunny, you know, yeah. that could hurt people, too. And yeah. That's just the way it is, and and you hope it's not flipping a coin. You hope that there's some good data and evidence to go on, and then you make the best call, and 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 you apologize later if it was the wrong call. That's all you can do. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it is a lot like the ice storm analogy. I guess with ice storms, you don't have a contingent of people who say there's no such thing as ice or whatever. Yeah, you know? <laughs> maybe it depends where you go to. I don't know. <laughs> maybe so. <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but uh, and I, I guess back back to the subject of just of distance learning in general. Uh, what what do you what do you think? What's your opinion about that? Do you think when kids sit at home on the internet and go to school on the internet, are they getting an education or not? Or what what do you think? That's a really man. You have got all the tough questions, <laughs> Doctor Harvey. I try. You really Thanks. put me. You're putting me on the spot, my friend. That's um, right. You know, it, it seems to me that there certainly are those that, that do better in the virtual learning environment. I think that there are cases where, where kids are flourishing and it's better. I think for most kids and I think for most staff, you know, we would all agree that we would rather be in person, face-to-face, working together, doing hands-on learning, doing things that all of us can do. You know, certainly if you're doing a chemical uh, experiment in a science class, it can be hard to have families doing that from home. If you're doing physical education, it limits. If you're doing art, it really limits. And music, what you can do, but again, I guess it's a bad ilk that we'll do the best that we can considering. But again, I think the, the gross majority of people would agree in person is stronger, and that's the preference that most people uh, would have, myself included, as a teacher, principal, and as a student myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, so pretty much unanimous that uh, it's not as good to be doing it virtually as it is in person. Yeah, yeah. 
And I guess I guess it probably varies quite a bit. There's probably some kids who who do okay with it, and other kids who just can't. I guess little kids and things like that who just can't learn much virtually, probably. I agree with that. It's kind of like if you're a college or graduate student, you may have to do distance learning because of other considerations, and some people flourish. But yeah, if you're a preschool student or a five-year-old, it's really hard to have a traditional kindergarten uh, through a computer. That makes it really challenging for sure. Challenging for sure. Yeah, yeah. But Oh, hey, uh, uh, I'm getting the signal that uh, time's just about up. So uh, we're going to come back in just a little bit. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, restarting school in the age of COVID. And we're going to also talk about lithium in the drinking water. Yes, that's what we're going to talk about. So we'll be back. This is The Medical Beat. 